How's everybody doing today? Can you believe it has been 100 years since the bridge has been in existence? That's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, would you say? And just to think that, that the Goldsboro location has been in existence just under 11 years. Last year, we celebrated a decade as a location. I'm, I'm excited about that. And I'm glad that 100 years ago, there was somebody who was determined to say yes to Jesus and, say, and be determined to push forward and to make sure that the church got on the map for, 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 the, for the sake of God's name. But we're here today because of that. I'm glad that 50 years ago, somebody was determined to say yes to Jesus Christ and make sure that the church had a name in our region so that people could say yes to him, say yes to Jesus. I'm grateful that 25 years ago, when, when they started doing some things that were kind of counter-cultural in the, in the church world and got, got brave and started to reach out to, to people that maybe weren't used to the old way of doing things, just from a philosophy standpoint, I'm glad that, that we have a part in this today, that we get to take our place in history and do things that are helping people reach a point where they say yes to Jesus Christ and their eternity is changed forever. We get an opportunity to do that. But right now, people are saying yes to Jesus. Right now, people are being baptized. Right now, we're helping people take their next steps in faith and grow in Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I, I just feel like I'm speaking for everybody, whether you're a, a kind of a, a veteran bridger or you've been around just a little bit of time Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to those people that, no matter what capacity they led in over the last hundred years, that they said yes, that they went forward, that they didn't let something get them down to the point that they quit, but they said yes to Jesus. They said yes to the call. And ultimately, they said yes to what God wanted to do through the Bridge Church. It kind of makes you wonder, you know, just how long a hundred years is. Can you really wrap your mind around that? A hundred years. We can kind of see pictures and we, we kind of know it in principle, but I want you to, to try to imagine what life must have been like in 1918. And, and I, I did a couple of, of uh, information gathering sessions and I, I just, gas was 25 cents a gallon. I just want you to try to picture that for just a minute. What would you do if gas was 25 cents a gallon now? Yeah, I mean, that's what it was 25 cents a gallon. And, and that was if you owned a car. So if you didn't, you rode a horse, okay? This is, this is the time frame that we're talking in. And if you did drive a car, you could buy a new car for 600 bucks, brand new. Now, today you're spending thousands and thousands on a brand new car. Back then, $600. If you see a car for $600 today, you're just assuming the engine doesn't come with it. I mean, that's just kind of where we are. Uh, I, I saw one article that said, this, this really was interesting, the word teenager did not exist in 1918. And I thought, well, gosh, who did they blame things on, you know? <laughs> I, I don't know, but they coined the term later in the 40s to identify older school-age kids. In 1918, after 12, after primary school, you didn't go to school. You went home. You worked on the farm. You helped around the house. You learned to trade. Uh, this is the kind of life that they lived in 1918. We can't even wrap our minds around that that long ago, 100 years ago. And, and, and I like to think this, too. They couldn't have imagined 100 years in the future in 1918, they, they couldn't have imagined where the church would be today, the people that we would be reaching, the size that it is, the impact that, that God's name would have through the Bridge Church. I, I don't think they could have seen it. And it's not because they didn't have faith, but it's just because as human beings, we don't think that far ahead. <laughs> we, we don't. We, God does, and I'm glad he does. He, he doesn't operate in this thing that we call time. He's timeless. Um, the Bible says he is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. You may have heard that before. He, he takes our efforts now and he does things with them far beyond our grasp. And our church history proves that. 
but we can't imagine that far as human beings. So you know what we do? We, we dream and we plan for our own time. We pray, we ask God to bless it. But as human beings, we, we just kind of plan for our own time on earth. Are you, are you tracking with me? We, we plan maybe for our kids and our grandkids, do things now that, that will possibly affect them. But after that, things just get too fuzzy <laughs> so to, to actually put physical plans to. And so we, we kind of stop right there. And we stay in this kind of a mindset that says, I'm going to plan for now. And I'm going to hopefully retire one day, hopefully have some money in the bank. Um, I want to invest a little bit, and I want to make sure that I have enough to live comfortably. Everybody say comfortably. And we, we, you tracking with me? We, we want to do that, and we want to make sure we have some for our kids and train our kids to do the same thing. And hopefully when they watch us do that, then they'll do it, and so forth, so long, so forth, and, and you know what I'm saying. It keeps going. Is there anything wrong with that? Not really, not from a standpoint of just, you know, being responsible, but the question I would ask to us today is, is that all there is? I work my whole life, I retire, then what? I, well, you, you may say, well, I, 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 I see some places I never have seen before, I annoy my kids, <laughs> you know, I show up at their house unannounced, I, I, some of you are doing it right now, and you just, like, stop doing that, you know? I, I, I maybe get that vacation home that I've always wanted. May hopefully I've saved up for enough for that. Or I just, hey, I, I, I take it easy. I kick back. I've lived my life. Now I'm going to help other people do theirs, my kids, maybe some people around me. Then what? We, we, we can't think 100 years in advance, but I'm just asking you these questions now. After I do these things on, on this planet, after I work so hard for, for my, me and my kids and possibly my, my grandkids, then what? And you may say, well, I just... I hope my health checks out, and I hope I'm able to, to do that. And then I, I guess I, I hope I die at a ripe old age with people that I love surrounding me. Then what? And, and I ask that question on purpose, and we may say, well, I, well has there be a funeral? <laughs> I guess I, I hope that they say good things about me and how my life impacted them, and, and I hope somebody cries because, you know, we all want someone to cry at our funeral. We want them to miss it. <laughs> th then what? And a lot of people don't really... No, then what? Because it gets too fuzzy after that. What happens after we die here? What, what happens? Then what? Because the fact is, is that if another hundred years go by, there, there's going to be people that are in this church called The Bridge. They're probably going to make another video like the one we saw, except for it's going to be about us, and we're going to be in it. And none of us are going to be around to see it. None of us will. The reality that we all know, but that we so easily ignore because we can't wrap our brains around it, it's this reality of eternity. It's this reality of what happens after I die. Then what? That, that question, we, we all know, but we easily ignore it because we can't see it. It's too fuzzy. We can see and feel now, but that's a little bit kind of mysterious. We can't wrap our brains around it. We're, we're talking in this series starting today. The title is Investing in Forever. The fact is this, we know how to invest and pour into our time and efforts here on this earth. We know how to do that. We know how to work. We know how to get jobs. We know how to, how to, how to, how to pour energies in things, and, and they're good things. They're not bad things. They're, they're good things. But listen to me, it's all a waste if we don't take steps of faith right here in the here and now to invest in things that eternally matter, to invest in the things that are actually going to far outlast this earth, far outlast our time on it. And the Bible says that Jesus gave us access to something called eternity with him in heaven. 
And how we live now plays a direct result in that. There's this guy in the Bible, his name's Paul, and uh, God used him in great ways. He actually just radically changed his life. Paul caught on. He begins starting churches. God used him to plant some of the very first churches that we have in the first century uh, of, of Christianity. If you look in, in, the, in the book of Acts in the Bible, you kind of see that story. And then a lot of the New Testament after that are letters that he was writing to these new churches, um, giving instruction. It's the instruction that we have today on how we're supposed to live and how we're supposed to operate within the church. And, and he begins to understand this concept of eternity. Hey, we're not living for here. We're living for, for something else. We're supposed to be investing in something else. And he's writing to this church in Philippi. The, the book in your Bible is called Philippians. You may have heard of that. Philippians chapter 3. This, I just want to read a little bit of what Paul tells them. And this, this is where he was at, and this is what he was, was trying to get us to understand. He says, my friends, I don't feel that I have already arrived. He's saying, I'm not perfect. I'm not, not there yet. I'm not in heaven. I'm still on earth. But he says, this is one thing I do. I forget what's behind, and I struggle. Say struggle. Some of you are struggling to say struggle. Say struggle. I struggle. I struggle for what's ahead. And why is he struggling? Well, it's because it's, it's, it's hard to invest in something that you don't see yet. And so he admits, hey, investing in something called eternity that I don't fully grasp, sometimes it's just hard. So I, I'm struggling after it. I run toward the goal so that I can win the prize of being called to heaven. And this is a prize that God offers because of what Christ Jesus has done. All of us who are mature should think in this same way. And then he says, you know what, if you think differently, God will make it clear to you. As believers, even if it's fuzzy, even if we have, uh, sometimes we struggle in our faith to believe that. He's saying, if you're seeking God, if you're, if you're pouring your heart out to him and, and looking for him, he will make himself clear to you. This world keeps pushing us to look back. It keeps pushing us to, to look at what our pasts look like. It keeps pushing us to have regrets. Does anybody ever have regrets? I mean, this world keeps pushing us to look backwards. It, it even keeps looking, uh, pushing us to look around us. You know, how much can we get? What can we do? It keeps our mind just kind of focused here. Um, and it's, it, it, it drags us back sometimes, and it pins us down right here. And all the things in our past and all the things around us, they're not going into eternity. And, and what God says is that if, if you want to make something that you do here last into eternity, then you got to get your eyes off your past. you got to get your eyes off of just being fully complacent around seeing what you see here and get it on the future. Get it on where God is leading us. Get it on where you're going. You have to look to your future, he says, because one day, he said, you're actually going to face God. <laughs> one day, there's a, there's a day coming for every single one of us where we're going to be standing at this, this, this kind of, it, uh, the earthly life ends and we're looking at eternity and, and we're going to stand before God one day. And I just want you to think about that. When this life is over, because it's going to be over for all of us, right? We, I think we all can at least agree to that. When this life is over and, and there God is and we're face to face with God, are we going to be proud of the way that we spent our resources and our time? Are we going to be proud of the way we made our decisions here, or, or is it going to lead to some regret? Are, are we going to wish we had done something different? Are, are we going to be proud of the way that we spent our, our money? I mean, are, are we going to look and say, you know what, I, I could have done something different? Are, are you going to be proud of the car that you drove? You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with being blessed and having things. God's a, a, a gift giver. The scriptures are very clear on that, but we're managers of stuff. We're not, we don't own it. Did we just completely go excessive and completely ignore being generous, completely ignore that, hey, we're called to be good stewards of the, what God gives us? 
Because the Bible says in Psalms that the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Not only is, is all of our money and things his, but we're his too. He made us. And he gives us things to manage. And when we manage it well, he blesses us more. Are we going to stand before God one day and have a regret? Because you know what? I bought this house that was just so, so big and, and, and I really didn't need it. And there were so many people around me that could have benefited. But you know what? I, I really just kind of live for here and now. Is there going to be this, this, this pride that says, God, I, I did it for you. You blessed me like crazy, but I, I still managed to give. I still wanted to have your heart. Or, or will, there be, will there be regret? How, how about your time? Uh, you know, I, I don't think we're going to get to heaven and go, you know, I just, I'm so glad that I watched 7,000 hours of movies. <laughs> I just watched Netflix until they just turned it off, you know. I just kept watching. I, I, I think we're going we're gonna to get to heaven and just want to say, you know, God, yeah, I watched some Netflix. Yeah, I spent some time just doing some maybe some crazy things, but I gave my time to you. You had a part of me, Lord, that nobody else got. I gave my time to you so you could show me how to give to other people, so that you could show me how to invest in things that were ultimately going to last for eternity. There's a day coming, church, where we're going to stand before God one day. And I just got to tell you, I, I want to be proud when I stand before him. And I want you to be proud. I want, I want you to look at God in the face, which we can't even do right now as human beings because we wouldn't be able to take it. His glory, his power, his, his holiness is just too much for our human minds to comprehend. But I want you to stand before him and he say, well done. I want you to stand before him and just, you just wrap your arms around him and him you, and you just know that you did everything you could while you were here because you had this understanding that I wasn't living just for here, but I was living for something else too. What is that something else? It's that, it's that fuzziness. It's that I can't quite comprehend after I die what, what it is. There's this illustration that, that Francis Chan used. I actually want to do it for you today. It's, uh, it, it's a good illustration, and if you're familiar with Francis Chan, you, you may have seen this illustration before, um, and there's not really a better illustration that I've seen, uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it too, and I just kind of want you to, to look at this for a minute. This is a, this is a, this is a rope. This, it's, we're just going to pretend it goes on forever and ever. It kind of represents eternity, okay? It really, it's, it just ties off over there. But we're going to pretend that this goes on forever and ever, and it never ends. This represents your existence, your eternal existence. It just goes on and on forever. And this little black part right here represents your time on earth. We have these few short years while we're on earth, and then after that, we're going to exist for millions and millions and millions and millions of years in eternity. Now, we can't really comprehend that, but we all understand that there is something coming. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but we know something's coming. And the Bible is clear that it's appointed for every person to die one time. We know that. And what gets me and what kind of drives me crazy in a way is that, that we focus, if we're not careful, we'll focus all of our time right here and we completely ignore this. There's this little section of time that we have and we put all of our focus here and we, for, we forget that how we spend this determines how we spend all of this. And we get so hung up on this little part right here. And we say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to work, work, work. I'm going to just do this here. I'm going to pay some of that off there. And then I get here, and I'm going to really take it easy. <laughs> I'm going to really relax right here. And, and right here is probably going to be good, but right there is what I'm working for. This is that, that retirement stage, you know, when all your kids move out, and then you've got a budget that used to be for five or four people or six, and now it's just the two of you. 
and you're like, yes, and you start doing things. How many, how many empty nesters do we have in the house today? You, you, kind of, you kind of miss your kids, but at the same time, you're like, hey, our bank account's looking pretty good, you know what I mean? And, and some of you have kids right now, you're kind of looking for that day. That's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Uh, but but, but we, we can easily just kind of look just right here, and we get here and we say, you know what, I'm going to really take it easy right there. And Paul is going, hey, he said, I'm, I want to run this race and strive to cross the finish line, win the prize that Jesus gave me when he called me heavenward. He said, I, it's going to hurt. He said, I'm struggling for it, but I don't want to stop here. And I, I want to cross the finish line well and, and, and look at Jesus in the face and say, I'm so, I'm, I'm so glad it was hard as I was doing it, but, but I did it for you, Lord. And I have no regrets because I'm going to spend eternity with you in this joy that I know you promised me that far outweighs any cost that, that I could spend right here. But, but we so often we get so hung up right here. We get so stuck right, right here. We get, we get stuck with all the pain that we're going through here and we just want to satisfy ourselves right here and we completely ignore this. And, and I don't know, I just, I just got to ask the question is, where you what are you doing here that's investing in this have you ever seen a relay race or a race, like the olympics i ran track in, in high school and i remember like all i wanted to do was cross the finish line i hated running <laughs> it was so hard As a matter of fact every track meet i would try to psych myself up i'd go in the middle of the field and i would always go every time without fail why am i here <laughs> i hate running and I would have to psych myself up and get myself in the, in the zone, and uh, I did the 800 and the mile. But my, my, the whole point was to get across that finish line as fast as I possibly could, striving, pushing, and, and, and moving towards that finish line. And then that last, kind of that last stretch, you may have had nothing left in you, but you gave it all you had. You sprinted. I mean, the times where your body's tingling and all the pre-workout stuff is gone, you know what I mean? And you just feel the tingles all down your arms. You're pushing as hard as you can go to cross that line. And then you nudge over like that because you just want to get across it. What would it look like if a runner ran the race, and as soon as they got to the finish line, they just sat down? Right before. And it's like, you know what? I think I'm going to take a break right here. <laughs> we would go, no, get up, run. Do what are you stupid or something? You know, get up and run. You're so close. Why are you stopping? Why don't you finish? Stand up. I'm going to drag you across the finish line like that. <laughs> and that's what we look like sometimes as human beings. We have these short years on earth. And then we have eternity. And, and so many of us, we just... We work, we work, we work, we serve, we serve, we serve. We do all these things, and then we get here, and we just say, you know what? I'm going to spend all my money on myself. I'm going to spend all my time on myself. And without even realizing that you're, you're closer to this finish line than you've ever been. And there is eternity right here. And Paul's saying, you know what? I, there, there's so much stuff I, I could look at. I could look at my past. I could try to look at things around me. Say, but I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm focused on this goal. I'm focused on the prize. I, I want to cross the finish line well. And you know what? Yeah, it, may, it might cost me some, some popularity here because you know what? Some of the people that aren't thinking about this, some of the decisions that I make are going to look stupid. If I save, 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 and then I take everything I've saved, and then I, I just start giving it away. Or if I don't have much at all, but yet I start giving it away maybe right here in the middle, and people are like, hey, you need to invest. You need to save. Yeah, those things are good. Those things are really good. But you know what? God has prepared for you something that far outweighs any cost you could spend here in eternity. And 
it may look stupid, and people will be like, you're stupid. You're stupid for, for spending all that on here or investing all your time here because you know why? And this is the way they think, because it affects right here. <laughs> and, and, and you're like, you know, you're stupid because what I've just done affects all this right here. I mean, we've got to open our eyes to see that there's something else that's far greater than this little bit of time that we have right here on earth. The fact is that we all believe in this. We all know it's coming. Some of us, it may be a little fuzzier than others. Other people, they may try to make themselves try to think that, there's, that they don't really believe in this because it's easier. It's easier just to say, you know what, I don't know what's coming, but God's in control. He's got it. You know, I'm going to live for right here. I can see it. I can feel it. And then whatever happens later happens. But the fact is, is that there's this, this verse in Ecclesiastes in the Bible, and, and you probably have heard it. The birds made a song out of it. So there's a time for everything, right? There's a time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to, for war, a time for peace. There's a time, it even says there's a time to keep things and a, time to th- and a time to throw things away. And some of us are thinking about our storage rooms that we need to go in there and clean out. But he said, in, in God's time, or in time rather, God makes everything beautiful in its season, and so right here is the only time that we ever operate in time, in seasons. And so God's saying, on this earth, on this, on this planet, while you're here, there is a time for everything. And then it goes down into verse 11 of chapter 3. It says this, but he has also set in the human heart eternity. He, is a, he said eternity in our hearts, yet nobody can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. We all know this is coming, Then the reason is because God said it in our hearts. We sense it, we feel it, but yet we can't fathom it. We, we can't put a picture to it. We can't really put our hands on it. But the fact that we know this is coming and the fact that we all sense it is because God has set us up for that. He has put it in our hearts. He gives us wisdom as it pertains to this. Everything's beautiful in its season. And then he says, you know what? Deep down, you're going to know this is coming because I've said eternity in your hearts. We all know it. We all know it deep down. I would challenge you. Do you know that, that, that the, most, the, the biggest question, probably the most asked question among human beings, not just Christians, but humans, is what happens after I die? I mean, when, when things start popping up and the end times, that kind of starts circulating through the air, it gets popular, man. People want to know, what, what's that about? People that have never darkened the door of a church in their life, when these blood moons started coming around, people are like, what does that mean? What's, what's going to happen? It was, am I okay? I mean, because people want to know. People want to know what, what it's about. Did you, did you know that over 97% of the world religions today have some type of afterlife theology? So, I mean, they're confused, a lot of them, on what that looks like, but, but we all know it's coming. We all sense it. We all know and believe that something happens after you die here on earth. It's interesting, I, I want you to think about this. Billions of people have died on this planet since the very beginning. Billions of people have. Since Adam and Eve, everybody has died. Funeral homes never stop working. They all, they're always working. We're around death constantly because of the world that we live in. You know somebody who has died, maybe somebody precious to you, um, maybe just somebody you know, maybe somebody you heard of. Maybe it was expected, maybe it wasn't, maybe you saw it coming, but every single time somebody dies that we're close to or that that is precious to us, when they go, we're perplexed. We can't believe it. We, we, We don't understand it, we don't know why, we're hurt, we're saddened, and we don't know. And we say things like, man, I just talked to them yesterday, or I just had that conversation with them last week. I just, I can't believe that they're gone. If there's something about somebody dying that we just can't wrap our minds around, but, uh, with the sheer experience that we have around death over thousands of thousands of years, you would think human beings would be used to it. 
You would think that somehow we would be used to this and, and not stunned when it happens. But every single time, without fail, we're perplexed, we're stunned, we're hurt. We, we can't grasp how, some, how somebody can, can, can be here one minute and gone the next. You want to know why? The reason is because death is not in our wiring. Because God said eternity in our hearts. We are wired to think eternally because he put it in our hearts whenever he created us. We all know, we all sense that this is coming. But because we're human beings, we can very easily only focus on this because it's what we can wrap our minds around. Because it's, it's what we can see. It's what we can feel. It's what's comfortable. I want you to understand that, that the Bible is clear that when this is over and we go into eternity believing and proclaiming Jesus as Lord, you know, there's nothing that we did. There's nothing that we can do. There's no way we can earn eternity in heaven. The Bible is so clear. There's no way that we could earn what we call salvation, being saved by God because of his amazing grace. We can't earn that. Jesus is the only one that did it. God, you've heard the verse a million times, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his son that whoever should believe in him Believe that he is who he said he was. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's God's only son. He died on this planet, lived a sinless life. He's the only one that could have done it. He's the only one in, in human history that has ever raised to life and stayed that way. He's still alive. And because of him, we get access to that. Now, we could never, we could never do anything to earn, earn all this. But what we can do is live here in such a way that we cross this finish line well that we cross this finish line in a way that's God-honoring, that, we, cross, that we, we live in such a way here that by the time we cross that finish line, there are no regrets. We're able to look back, and we have a repertoire. We have a history that says, you know what? I served God the very best that I possibly could. So what do we do? What does that look like? I'm not going to define for, for you what that is, but I will say this. While you live here, you need to live for this. You've got however many years that is for you. At any moment in time, this could, be end, this could be the end for any of us. And then all of a sudden, there's this. Live the rest of your days. Live the rest of your, your months, your years, whatever that looks like here, living for this. Live for eternity. Live for eternity. And secondly, define your values. Define what that is for you. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I can say this. Live now for eternity, and then go ahead and define for yourself what's, what that's going to look like as you live it out. You've got to tell yourself, I'm, I'm going to live with integrity. I'm, I'm going to name a few things. Maybe you can latch on to it. I'm going to live with integrity. When people go one way because they're enticed to do something out of temptation, I'm going the other. You can make that decision for yourself right now. I'm going to live today investing in something that's going to far outlast my time here on this earth. When I say something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a man of my word. I'm going to be a woman of my word. When I say something, I understand that, that what I say matters. I want to be truthful about everything I say. Can I just go ahead and go first? A, a couple of weeks ago, I stood up here and I gave this illustration um, about being in a, in a barber shop, and I said I, I was an engaged man. Uh, the truth is, is that was a lie. I was already married. <laughs> we, Hurricane Florence completely destroyed our wedding plans, and we got married the week before on that Saturday. Uh, we had some family that, that didn't know yet, and I had already worked the sermon that Saturday. I had already, it was already done by Saturday, and I, I didn't even think there was anything in the message. And when I got up, I just, I had that illustration, and I said it. I should have just completely ignored it altogether and, and picked a different illustration. Um, Jessica had no idea about that. She came up to me later and said, hey, that, was, that wasn't true. <laughs> and I said, what? And it started weighing on me, and I'm like, you're right. You're right. 
you're right. I had a, one of the staffers ask me the same question. I said, you know what? I've already been thinking about it. It's weighing heavy, heavy on me. And you may be standing here today um, saying, that's not that big of a deal. Go, well, to me, it is. It's a big deal. It's a big deal that what I say I actually mean, and what I mean is actually true. And whether it seems like something small or it seems like something big, I think it's important for us to live our lives in such a way that's God-honoring and truthful. Would you agree to that? So how am I investing here for eternity there? I'm speaking the truth. What I say I mean and what I mean is true. How else can I invest here? Well, I'm going to be a generous person. I mean, guys, listen to me. The Bible says that God is a gift giver, and he, he is going to reward you on how you lived here. As a believer, when you get into eternity, there are going to be rewards that he will give you, that he will reward you with based upon what you did here. So am I going to be a generous person? I'm not talking about just giving at one time or another. I'm talking about living a life that genuinely looks to the needs of other people. Living a life that says, you know what, it's not about a dollar amount that I fork over because I could, I could throw money at anything. That's really not what God cares about. What he cares about is a heart that says, I'm compassionate and I, I love people like you do, God. I'm trying to learn this thing and I want to be attentive to people's needs. Not just throw energy or throw time or throw money at a certain thing. That's not generous. It can appear generous and we can fake people out. But God, I, I, I want to be a generous person I don't want to associate myself with greed, even if I can hide it from everybody else. You know, you know how you become a generous person? I heard somebody say this. I, I don't take credit for it, but this is what it is. You give till it hurts. You give till it hurts. You can't grow in your generosity muscles if you never stretch them. And so you give till it hurts. I, if I, I, I could give you 100 bucks, one for every year the church has been in existence. And somebody might say, wow. Pastor Ryan's generous. But if I've got $10,000 in the bank, which I don't, but if I had $10,000 in the bank, then would I really be generous? No, I could, I could deal with giving you 100 bucks. I'd never even feel it. But if I've got 150 in the bank and I give you 100 of it, then that's saying something about me to myself. I'm not going to tell you, but that's stretching me. Does that make sense? I'm not telling you what ratio to give. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm telling you is give till it hurts. Give your time when it hurts. Give your energies to something when it hurts. When you have other things to do, you have better things to do in your own mind. You don't have time to do that. Give till it hurts. And you begin to stretch yourself. And it's only then that you begin to get an inkling of an idea of what it means to think eternally because now you're thinking about God. All these things, all, all these measurements that we measure ourselves with on earth, the things that the world uh, wants us to measure with, like, you know what, you're going to have all the flexibility for yourself, live for yourself, make yourself comfortable. You know, uh, you know what, forgiveness is, is earned only whenever they do what they're supposed to do. All these things, they only last to right here. And then guess what? You go into eternity and they don't last. You know, the only thing that lasts is God's word and his promises and the, the, the priorities that God puts in our lives and the ways of thinking, his characteristics that we can somehow adopt as our own and become that type of person. Those things are going to go with us into eternity. So why would I spend my life trying to, trying to adopt these, uh, these, these doctrines, adopt these things that aren't even going to last after I die? They're going to stop right here and stay here. I want to invest my time, and I want to become the type of person and, and have these characteristics that's going to far outweigh this. It's going to last into eternity. I want to be a generous person. We're going to have an opportunity uh, here at the end of this sermon series to, 
to really kind of stretch our, our giving muscles. One of the things that we do every year here um, is we have something called Offering Fit for a King. Whenever you leave today, you're, you're going to get one of these envelopes. And, and what we're asking you to do is, is stretch yourself, is give an offering, not just tip God, but give an offering that's actually fit for the King of Kings. And we're going to take the money that we raise, and we're, we're going to do some awesome ministry with it. And we're going to tell you about what that is. Jessica and I were on the way to church just this morning, and we were saying, you know, we, we need to be thinking through this. It's not something that we just want to just real fast do, but we want to really contemplate what it's going to cost us and what it is that God might want us to give. And I want you to know that your, your lead pastor here and your senior leadership staff are going to go first. We, we believe that, that it, we're not asking you to do anything that we're not called to do. On October 7th, whenever we give, I want you to be praying about this. Pray with your spouse. Pray, uh, you know, pray and, 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 and do it in such a way that invites God into the conversation so that when we give, we're stretching ourselves. We, we are trying to figure out what it means to become generous. And we're, and we're going to give on October 7th. You, you may have wanted to, to be the first one to give. I'm, I'm sorry, you can't. It's, it's going to be us. It's going to be our senior leadership team because we want to go first. We want to set the example, and, and we want to set the pace for this church to be able to do this thing together. That's, that's coming up on October 7th. But the whole point of that is this. We want to become a church that's, that's fueled by generosity, not law, not religious, re- religiousness. We, we want to be a, a church that is fueled by giving the way God gave. We give till it hurts, and then we watch God bless us in such a way that we never even saw coming. We, we want to live on this, this planet, investing in eternity by saying, I, I want to live a God-filled life, a God-purposed life, and I want to walk the rest of my days trying to figure out what that is. I want to make Jesus Lord. Some of us have made him our savior. We've accepted him, but we've yet to say, you know what, Jesus, you have the authority in my life. You're the Lord of my life. You're not just, just the, my savior. You're my Lord. I, I want to give you that, God. I, I want to live according to your commands. And not just live according to your commands, but, but I want to hold on to your word in a way that I understand what those commands are. I want to start there. I, I want to operate in and through the scriptures. I, even though I don't understand it all, all the time, I, I'm not just going to throw it out like it's some ancient book. I'm actually going to pick it up, and I'm actually going to try to understand this, and I'm going to get help, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch your word come alive to me. I am going to live my life in such a way, holding on to your word, that acknowledges that this is coming that acknowledges that, you know what, there's, there's something so much more than just this little bit. But God, I want to live on this planet knowing that at any moment I could be faced with all this. Millions and millions of years. And God, I, I could be standing face to face with you. I want to do that, God. I want to live like that. I want to live for eternity and I want to define what those values are while I'm still living here so that I can invest in it. Is that easy? No. <laughs> It's probably very difficult for you. I mean, I I don't know exactly what it is that you have to go through, but I'm not going to say probably. It is difficult. It's challenging at times. It's it's hard. Um, This this guy, Paul, who was saying, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to run this race and and for the prize that Christ called me heavenward, it seems like, woo, he's a Bible character. He had everything going for him. No, this was a guy who was beaten for his faith. This was a guy who was shipwrecked. This was a guy who was wrongfully imprisoned. This was a guy who was beaten more than once. He was stoned. He was left for dead several times, more than once. And then he's saying this. He's saying, you know what? My body outwardly is wasting away. He said, but inwardly, the soul, the part that lives forever, the part that's going to exist for millions of years, he said, that's actually being renewed. 
day by day. And I don't care what happens to my body. I'm going to get a new one later because it's just this little short period of time. I want to push and strive towards the goal. You know what? There are people right now who are dying for their faith. It's, it's somewhat comfortable here on, on, uh, in, in America, this in terms of being able to do it freely. But it does cost us. It costs us our comfortability sometimes. It costs us the way we've always been used to doing things, the characteristics and the mindsets, the way we grew up. Selfishness, we all have it. It challenges that, and it's hard, and it's not easy. And the, the, the same guy, Paul, that said this, we, we wonder, like, what was his motivation? How did he get to the point where he was able to say that? Because I'd love to know, right? Well, a few verses later, in verse 18, this is what he says. He says, I've often told you before, and now I tell you again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, and the God, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Why is that? That sounds crazy. He says, because their mind is set on earthly things. <laughs> he says, their end is destruction because all they can think about is that. That's it. It's like they have nothing else going for them besides everything going right here, and they don't get that this is going to end. And if all you do is set your mind on earthly things, and you're going to come up empty every time because these things aren't meant to last forever. They're meant to fail you meaning they don't last, and they, that's exactly what happens. And then he, he, he kind of counters that. He says, but listen, our citizenship is in heaven. He's saying, we, we, we live here now, but it's not like we're staying here forever. Our citizenship, where we really belong, is in heaven. And this, this, is, where it gets, this is where it gets important. He says, and we, we're here, but we're eagerly waiting for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control is going to transform our lowly bodies so that we'll be like his glorious body. How many of you right now would just say, you know what, the sickness that I'm facing right now, the pain that I'm dealing with right now, I, I just can't wait to have a body that's glorified. I can't wait to have a body that's going to exist forever just in perfect joy and in perfect unity and become just like Christ's body. And he says the way that in, in which you're able to stand all this stuff is, is, is you, you're here, but your eyes are on this. You're eagerly waiting for a Savior from here. He says the people that don't do that, they think this is all there is, and their end is destruction. And then he says this on that last sentence. He says, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends, by waiting for a Savior from here. He says if you want to stand firm here, if you want to face turmoil and strife and still have a hope, he says, then you've got to keep eyes on this and wait for a Savior from here. How many of you waited in the traffic jam 117 created over there down Marmac? How many of you just waited in that at all? If, if, who saw the traffic? It was crazy. Yeah, I, I heard somebody say the other day that, that two people actually got out of their vehicles to fight. <laughs> just, I don't know why that was funny to me. It's like, at, at what point did you have a conversation in the line that got you that mad <laughs> where you wanted to get out and have a physical altercation? Like, what were you doing? Like, turn on your radio or something. Jeez. And I'm thinking to myself, there are other people that waited, and they were just fine, you know? They, they conversed with each other. Maybe they rolled their windows down. They thought about something else. And that told me that some people, it's the same amount of time that went by, same traffic jam. Some people are good waiters, and some people are horrible waiters. And this is us right here. Every second goes by. We all have the same second. But guess what? Some of us are waiting eagerly for this, and some of us are waiting really bad, and we're not even thinking about that at all. He said we got to wait eagerly for our Savior that's coming from here. That's how you stand firm. Just because time goes by, just because you endured something, does not mean you're waiting eagerly for a Savior. 
When you wait eagerly for a Savior, your eyes are on Him. You look at Him. You're overly joyed, even though you're hurting on the inside. You're praising God at the same time inside, which is possible to hurt and praise at the same time, if you didn't know, because there's something else that's coming. And you're eagerly waiting, and you're saying things like, you know what, God, I'm, I'm struggling right now, but I know, I know that I'm doing it here. I'm struggling here, and you're going to reward me here. This is coming. It's a reality. And I can bear this little bit of time if I'm going to have eternity to be with you. I want to wait eagerly. And he says, when you wait eagerly, when you focus on God in that way, while you're here on earth, he says, you're going to stand firm while you're here. You've got to keep your sights on heaven. The day you cross that finish line, and if all you do is think about how comfortable you can make yourself here, then you're going to eventually come up disappointed. But if you begin to understand that, you know what, I'm, I'm living now for eternity. <laughs> I'm not living now for here. It's going to end. I'm living now for eternity. And Jesus paved the way for me to go there. He actually came to die. That's how I'm going to stand firm. It's not the end here. I'm, I'm eagerly waiting a Savior from there. Do you know that God is, is in the business of taking what you do now and making it great later? So right now it just takes faith because, again, we, we can't see 100 years from now. We, we, so we can't even see five years from now, much less eternity. But I, God can take what you do now and he can make it great later. He can. And so if you're having a, a hard time, if you're struggling, if you're, if you're sitting in life now and you don't know how you're going to make it and you're just why, God? Why am I still here? Why am I still doing this? I want you to know that you're not doing what you're doing now for nothing if you're suffering for him. He takes note. He sees you. He knows right where you're at, whether it's a hardship you're facing or whether a terminal illness. God sees where you are, and this life isn't the end, and he will take your efforts now, and it'll be an investment for you, and he will make it great later. You will see. Hold fast. Stand firm. There's eternity coming. hundred years ago, D.J. Little was the, the pastor, the reverend that, that came and helped start what was then the Whitley Church. Do you think he had any idea the impact it would have? I think I asked this, this question earlier. Do, do you think he had any idea a hundred years ago the impact it would have today? That thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people would be impacted by what he did a long time ago. And I, no, he didn't. He didn't have a clue. In fact, if I was a betting man, I would bet that not only did he not know the impact it would have, I would be willing to bet that there was something that tried to get him not to do it. And that might sound crazy and a little pessimistic, but follow me here. Anytime God uses somebody to do great things for his name, Satan will always attack it every time. And I just want you to know that God has great things he wants to do through you, not because I'm some big motivational speaker, but because the word of God is true and that he works out all things for the good of those that are called by him to according to his purpose and that love him. And not, not only that, but he, he didn't know you by name and create you with a purpose for you not to do something great for him. I'd be willing to bet that back then, D.J. Little, not, not just did, did, did he not know the impact it would have, but there was something, possibly maybe just a, a doubt that was trying to get him not to do it. Maybe it was a, hey, no one's going to listen to you. Maybe nobody even knows. There's no record of it, but, but he maybe have faced that kind of internal insecurity that no one's going to listen to you that the sacrifice is going to end up being too great. It's, it's going to cost you time with your family. It's going to cost you maybe your popularity. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
I'm so glad he stayed. I'm so glad that he didn't give in to whatever that could have been. I'm so glad that whatever he was facing, that he stuck it out and went through it and pastored that church for so long and handed it off to the next person because of the great things that we see today, a hundred years that it's doing. How many of you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm here because of something that happened within the context of the bridge's influence? I mean, we, there's so many of us. And it all goes back to that one guy who may have been just doubting at the very beginning. Satan wants to keep you distracted. He wants to keep you doubtful. He knows that God has great things for you. Ultimately, he knows that there is so much more to your existence than just here on this earth. Ultimately, Satan knows that God died to give you this, that you're going to spend eternity with him, reaping the rewards of everything you've done here and everything you've suffered through. God's promises are true. Satan knows this, and he is doing everything he possibly can to stop you from looking at this and only see this, only see your hurt here, only see your disappointment here, only see your unmet expectation here, only see your physical illness here. He's doing everything he can to put doubt in your mind so that your eyes do not see this at all. And what God is saying that if you'll just hold tight, if you'll just focus on Jesus, if you'll just focus on this, this life that he wants to give you right here in eternity, you'll begin to live a little bit of that right here on this earth. I don't know what kind of doubts DJ Little went through. I don't, I don't know what the insecurities he had to face, but I am so glad that he said, Jesus, I choose you and not my doubt. I choose you and not my, my illness. I choose you and not my insecurity. Keep using me, God, because I know that you're going to do something great in me, even though it's fuzzy from here, even though I can't see it. And look, 100 years later, thousands upon thousands of people are being saved. People are, are being influenced for Jesus Christ because of what that one man did. I don't know what God wants to do in you. I know ultimately he wants to get you here. But I'm telling you right now, don't let Satan distract you from the, from the goal, from the purpose. It may look fuzzy from here. You may not know what it's eternity looks like from here. You may not know what next year looks like here, but God wants to do something in your life miraculous and eventually give you the joy that you've hoped for for your whole life. Don't give up. Don't settle for something less. I want you to understand that God is good. He is merciful, and he has good plans for you. He doesn't tell you what they are, and I'm glad sometimes he doesn't tell me what they are because I would look at him and go, there's no way that you're going to do that in me. There's no way, no way, and I would sell it way short. God keeps it fuzzy on purpose. There's a word called faith. It means I'm believing now for what I can't see coming. I'm asking you to believe now for what you can't see that's coming. Did you know that long before we ever knew about eternity, we ever knew about the concept, long before we ever even had a chance to even remotely know, much less go there, there was a man who was making a way for you. His name's Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, the Bible describes God as having this conversation in heaven, speaking your name, your name, my name, all of mankind. He, he knows all of us, and he's, he's knowing us, and he's speaking highly of us, and he says, he chose you to be holy and blameless in Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is, I chose you to be worthy of my son coming to die for you to give you access to all this. Now, the crazy thing about that is it also says he was having that same conversation before he created the earth. So if this is the earth, it was here. <laughs> it was before. And here's Adam and Eve, maybe they, they start here. And this is before, before he created Adam and Eve, before they ever even had the opportunity to sin and disobey, before they had the opportunity to even need Jesus because there was no sin. God is saying, I, I know. 
I know what's going to happen. I, I know that, that humanity is going to fail. I know the sin. I know, but I also know your name, and I love you so much that before I even create you, I'm going to go ahead and make the plan of Jesus Christ and give him so that on the other side of this, there's eternity. Get this picture now. Well, some, we think this is all there is. We're swallowed up. God was at the beginning of this, and God is at the end of this giving you all of this. We just got to make it through this part. That's it. It's hard. It's difficult at times. But I think broadening your perspective and knowing that Jesus Christ was at the beginning of you, and he is at the end of you, waiting for you with arms stretched open saying, cross this finish line. Cross it with, cross it with, and be proud. Cross it with gusto. Don't stop. Don't sell it short. Jesus gave you that opportunity. So I just want to end the service today, if we could, by just, Gage is going to come and just sing a song. If we could stand together, and we're going to sing this hallelujah for the cross. I don't know what, what you're thinking. I don't know if you feel worthy enough for heaven. I, I don't know any of that, but I do know this, that Christ came and died for you. Christ came, came to give you life. He came to not just give you life on this earth, but he gave you access to heaven. And so we're just going to sing a quick chorus, and then I'm going to come and pray. But I want you to take a second, and I want you to worship him. I want you to give God glory. I want you to contemplate what it is to actually be able to go into eternity one day.